course. Man, welcome to another episode of The Convo. We've got a special guest today, uh, an incredible human being, Daniel Opong. Welcome, man. Glad to be here, my guy. How are you? Man, I'm, I'm great. Uh, we just spent a few minutes catching up over the last 15 years of your <laughs> life. I should have hit record. Oh, uh, good. Man, it was heat, though. I'm not going to lie. It was heat. But, but we'll, we'll keep it moving. <laughs> and, well, uh, thank you just for being on, man. I'm, I'm really, truly excited about this. And for the audience, I'm extremely excited for you guys um, to hear this, to hear this episode. I, I think we're going to uh, hear, a, hear a unique story, um, but one of intention, one of growth, one of purpose. Um, and then Daniel has a number of different things that he's doing to contribute to the conversation right now uh, with what's going on in the United States um, and also what's going on globally. And so I wanted to bring him to just have open dialogue and have this conversation. Um, well, yeah, man, Daniel, if you want to give us a bit of your background, I know uh, we've got, I know a little bit about you, but I want to tell, tell the audience uh, but first, I want to start off with this quote. Tell me if you know who wrote this. Uh, it's really good. I, I, I really like it. So, either I'll die a delusional fool uh-huh. or I'll create a world I believe in and live a life I love. Either way, I'd rather risk it all on the ladder. My man. Who, man. <laughs> who, wrote, who, who wrote that? No, I that. That's me. That's man. me. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, I think that I appreciate you you doing your research. It's a good interviewer right there. Um, I think that for me, man, that that resonates with me so deeply. And and I think part of what we were catching up on before the call was just kind of how I had up until this present moment, kind of constructed a world around the American dream, right? Like who I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to do. You go to college, you get a job, you get married, you buy a house, you do the thing. And I kind of got down a lot of that path and got to this point where it felt like I'd created a world that I didn't feel present in. And so then I'm like, well, how do I create a life based upon how I want to feel? How do I create a life that I love and enjoy what does that look like, right? And so I, I think that that was the catalyst for that even quote. And so I think I, I got to this, to, the, to this point, achieved a level of success in a world in the American dream. I was like, this is pretty vapid and hollow. So I'm like, I need to deconstruct all of this. And then I'm gonna lean into creating a, li- a life I love. And, and either I'll do that and I'll, or I'll die a delusional fool, but I would rather risk it all on creating a life that I enjoy. And so I think that, that that's, that's the intention of, of Man, 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 we can end it right there. We can end it there. That's it. <laughs> we could. Mic drop. Let's go. <laughs> Episode five is done. Oh, <laughs> uh, and man, I just get so excited about that because it it, it resonates in my soul. Mm. I, I literally preach that to people, and I think my experience, even even moving to Spain, um, has has been the basis of a conversation around that. Right. And even working with uh, uh, my coach, Brandon, he was on another episode, intentionally focused on creating 
that yep. sort of life and creating exactly what you want because once you realize that, hey, I'm in control of everything and I can literally create exactly yep. what I want, I, I think it just gives you the opportunity to lean so far into your power and, and not be scared of that. And you've literally done it, man. So um, even diving into that a little bit more from your perspective, yep. what was what was that one thing that that allowed you to say, you know, this is it, um, I need to, I, what was that, that mindset shift? Yeah, man, I think one of the greatest delusions of society is that, like, these external accolades will make us feel a particular way. Like, I think a lot of our society has been constructed around who you're supposed to be on the outside, and, and in doing so creates a significant amount of dissonance with who we are on the inside. And so I know for me, I'll speak for myself, I got on this trajectory of who I was supposed to be, right? Like I went to college to play football pretty quickly into my football career, tore my ACL for the second time in 12 months, which essentially changed the whole way I was thinking about my time at ACU, which is where you and I originally met, right? And so then I get on this path of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to work need to figure some of this stuff out, worked at a church for several years. And I just painted this picture for you, but it's 2012, right? And uh, it's February. I just bought a house. I'm like young, right? I bought a house, like pat yourself on the back. That's what you're supposed to do. So February, 2012, had bought a house, was supposed to get married in May of 2012. And I lost this job that I'd had for six years in March. And so all of this within like a 90 day window. And, and when I think about my time working at this organization, like I feel like I had invested everything, spent myself on this organization. I got to the end and learned a lot, grew a lot, feel grateful in retrospect for the experience. But there was a lot of like disillusionment I felt by getting to this pinnacle and then feeling how vapid and lonely it was. And so then I'm like, well, what the hell did I do all that for, right? Like, what, what was I chasing that for? And so that kind of be, became my, my quest, right? Like, not what do I want to do, but how do I want to feel? And how do I create a life around that? And so part of that meant aligning to the things that gave me energy and that aligned with what I wanted to create in the world and then letting go of the things that didn't. And so you know, I mean, I ended up going to Washington State, went to Gonzaga for graduate school, studied organizational leadership, which was amazing on a lot of levels, kind of a like hero's journey, find yourself type vibe. And then I ended up moving back to Nashville um, or moving to Nashville where I worked in venture capital, which was also transformational and impactful because it changed my relationship with creating value, with making money. Like I said this to you earlier, but the sentiment of entrepreneurship, it's, it's around solving a problem, right? It's not just having a good idea. A good idea isn't a good idea unless it solves a problem. And you know you're solving a problem if someone's willing to pay you for it. Like if you create value, you'll make money. If you don't create value, you won't. It's kind of that simple. And so I learned that working in entrepreneurship. And so, yeah, I think from there, you know, um, it was a matter of just alignment and, and being congruent, like being the same on the inside as I was on the outside, which meant letting things go you know, the girl I was married to, we split up amicable, supportive, still a great human and someone I think very fondly of. And also like I could acknowledge that that construct didn't fit who I wanted to be. And so I had to let it go. And so I think a lot of it has been just a matter of like, I did the thing. How did I feel about the thing? Oh, like that's not congruent for me. Like, can I actually create a life that I enjoy? 
And how am I going to do that? So that's been my quest probably since 2012, honestly. Um, and fast forward to now, like I'm still putting that energy into the world. And it feels good to be, I was telling you earlier, like to be in this place of everything that's happening with, with COVID and, and with the Black Lives Matter movement in this moment, I feel like I've been uniquely suited to meet this moment in the way that I've aligned to my energy, let go of the things that don't serve me and, and continue to pursue the things that align well with who I am. And so it's, you know, we were kind of laughing about it before. Like I've had so much creative energy and I'm like starting <laughs> creating a product. If you had asked me in college, if I would start a product company, like, hell no, I don't know what that means. Uh, have the conversation series I'm doing and then also have another little business venture that I'll launch soon. And so, I don't know, man, I think it's more a matter of internal alignment and congruence. And, and I feel super thankful for every stop along the way because it's kind of made me as present as I am now. Man, man, as present as you are now. That's deep. <laughs> man, bro, bro it, 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 <laughs> Love it. I love it. I hope y'all were listening to this. Oh man. So so a couple of things that you mentioned. It's 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 that evolution. It is is it's alignment. Let's let's just pick up. No, actually I want to go back a little bit. Sure. You uh, like many other Americans, like many of us, African Americans, many people in general. Um Focus on achieving the the, the, the flashy goals. You, yep. you focus on achieving what other people told you success looks like. Yep. Do you remember where that came from? Do you remember where that idea came from uh, for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it's it's mixed, right? So I'm the son of immigrant parents. My dad immigrated to North America in the mid-80s, moved to Canada for in pursuit of his education. And in retrospect, like he created an amazing life for us. I think about how hard he worked to get here. And I wonder if I was in his shoes, would I have been able to do the same thing? I really don't know. So he created a life for us. I have three other siblings who are amazing. Um, and, and, but he was always this like super driven, determined, achievement oriented person. He has his PhD. He's associate dean of graduate school. You know, he, we kind of grew up in this like environment where uh, it can always be better. So good isn't good enough, you know what I mean? And so it, it's, not, it's not effort that celebrated its achievement. It's not if you did your best, it's if you won kind of thing. And so I think that was part of the influence. And then I also think that there's a way society celebrates like perfection, achievement orientation, appearing a certain way, whether or not that's true about who you are on the inside. And that's the cultural messaging. That's the cultural programming. And if you're an athlete, like you need to be the best athlete. If you're this, you need to be the best this. And so I think for me, there was a level to which I bought into those ideals and tried to do the thing. And, and I think what I realized was like, <laughs> one of the funny things when I went to ACU, like I was okay in high school. Like I was one of the better ones on my high school team. Then I went to ACU and I'm like, everyone is the better one on their high school team. Like as good as you are, someone's gonna be better. So like, what does that mean for you? If your value is only based on this external achievement, then, you know, someone's always gonna have a leg up. And so where do you, how do you um, create intrinsic value and worth that isn't based upon these external strivings? That's kind of what it, what it was for me. And so I think a lot of it was that pursuit, probably my dad and then cultural programming is, is, is what drove me 
And I did some of that stuff and had to deconstruct it to figure out what's really, really true. How do I find my value in a way that's not performance-based, you know? Man, man, let's go, Theo. I like <laughs> you in here, bro. Man, I love it, bro. I love it. And, and it's so funny because I almost, you know, I, I would have appreciated some of these insights internally, you know, for myself even. I'm like, mm -hmm. if, if I just had this information at 20, <laughs> And, totally. and I grew up watching the same thing. My dad was very achievement oriented and still is. And just, just the dude, still to this day, there's just some things that he did on a consistent basis that, that I try to replicate. And I still try to figure out, okay, you had two kids, you were in your twenties. Uh, how in the world did you do what you did? You right. know? And so we think about that as our parents and and that sets uh that puts a, a a bit of pressure on on me in my case for sure and sounds like for you as well. um but i think i think even with this new level of of knowledge and information that we have it's been um you know a great opportunity to now take that see what happens through that uh and then we take that to the next level Right. Like with the alignment, um, that's been the biggest thing. I mean, third, what's today? The, the second. Yep. 30 years ago, I resigned from a job, six figures, fully remote. Everybody in the world would think, oh, man, this is a dream job. I was, had job security, wasn't going anywhere. Uh, yep. Didn't scare the boss, the company, nothing. We're doing great. <laughs> yep. What, what, what? what happened to me was during, during this time we were, we were, uh, you know, confined for 59 days. And just like you looking at what, what that time was able to do is I saw a lot of opportunity, started studying some stuff, getting really creative, uh, like you as well. I love business. I love solving problems. Yep. Uh, I like other people. I like helping other people solve problems all those things. And then I realized something. I'm like, yeah, this is great. The money is great. I work from home. Great hour. I'm doing something I like, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not changing anything. I'm not yeah. making uh, a huge impact. I'm not running towards uh, what I'm aligned with in order to achieve this, this bigger goal. And yeah. understanding that, I had to make a tough decision yep. and it was, and I had been thinking about it for a while, uh, but it was like, look, I stay here and create anxiety around, Hey, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. And that part is bothering me. Uh, mm -hmm. Or I decide to bet on myself and go yep. out and create exactly what I want to create. I'm like, yep. there's no, there's no fear in that. And the only person that's responsible for it would be me. So, um, so I see the man that I, I think oh, that's I love that. Yeah, I love that. I think that I think that one of the greatest illusions of society is the way in which we we pursue this external security and comfort to try to alleviate our internal pain and suffering. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like I'll attach to these things externally because I don't actually want to face the deeper fear and pain that I feel on the inside. And you know, this sense of security makes me feel better about 
not being connected with my own heart, my own essence, my own energy, my own being. And so I'm like, for me, deconstructing that world, like you're talking about, like you looked at the cushiness and you're like, ah, I mean, this is chill, but like, I want more than this. Right. And so I, I don't know that, um, everyone gets to that point. I think it's badass that you have and that you are. Uh, and I think for me, one of the things that I really started to prioritize for myself is my own energy. Mm. And what I mean by that is I think energy is a much more valuable currency than time because energy is a renewable resource and time is this thing that's scarce. And people are like, well, you'll never get your time back. And we fixate on this time thing. Like think about all the things that we do because we feel pressure for time, whether it's to, uh, I'm running out of time, which some of that I, I understand, like there's some realities of like uh, biological clock for women, for example. And so thinking about like that time pressure, but I also think some of it is socially constructed as well. So we have this intense time pressure and I have to do all these things. And so I focus on the scarcity of time instead of focusing on the renewable resource that is energy. So for me, what I say is, if it doesn't give me anything I do, if it doesn't give me as much or more energy than it requires, then I'm not fucking doing it, period. Like, if it doesn't give me as much or more energy than it requires, I'm not gonna do it. If it gives me as much or more energy, okay, I can do this because it's a, it's a valuable energy exchange. And so in that, that's with work, that's re with relationships, that's with anything that I put my hand to, I'm very mindful about how I'm designing my energy. And I think the idea of this whole security situation, for me, that ended up siphoning more energy than it gave me because I'm ending up having to uphold this ideal to maintain the security. And I'm like, oh, this is a straitjacket. And so for me, I'm like, I need to let that go. I would rather create a life I enjoy even if it doesn't look traditional or fit within the traditional constructs, I'd rather do that and then manage my energy accordingly, invest energy in the things that give me energy, see those meaningful returns and continue to do that, do that, do that, do that. So yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm on. And I love, anytime I encounter people like you who are like, I look at the traditional conventions of the world. I tried it. It's cool. Had some success, but like, I would rather bet on myself. Like that's what's up. That's the vibe I'm on. So I love that, man. Man, appreciate that. That's that's exactly it. And I think the, you know, that's that's one of the biggest uh, realizations I had, um, especially with with training, just in the last three years. It's just been that realization of you can you can actually feel the things that serve you, and you mm -hmm. can feel the things that that don't, and that feel that energy um, from from anything. But but man, I appreciate that. Um, that's that that's a huge huge way to open the show just just talking about that and and i i encourage people and wanted you on this uh episode specifically for people to start to to hear that story again my last uh brandon very similar story like yep. and, and there's something about people that understand that and tap into that and lean into their edge and once you figure that out you see how quick uh, of a trajectory it is to actually achieve something that creates impact. Yep. So he left, you know, the Cowboys making crazy money. And I only say money because it puts it into perspective for, uh, for, for people that value money or salary to be something. So, you know, dream job, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, man, once you once you figure that out, you're, you're on a on a roll. So, man, you are 
running a company, you're building products, you've been creative, you're yeah. doing a you are extremely passionate about what is going on in the world. Totally. And I feel like that's an aspect that I definitely wanted to bring up as well. Um, man, we've been, Donovan actually shared, he organized this and set this up. Thank you, Donovan Plummer. Um, um, man, can we show love to Plum? Plum's like my guy. And, and he, he's, he's the, I mean, he's naturally a connector, brings people together. And, and the way that he's moving right now, I, it's a lot of courage and love and empathy. So shout out Plum. You're For real sure. For sure. He, he's, not, he's on this path, man. He's on that path. He's on that path, man. I we love find it. each other, don't we? Of course. Of <laughs> course. Once you understand, you know what you're looking for. That's, right. that's, that's it's, it's, it's more information. You can make better decisions. Um, so really, I guess the, the first question I have is, um, what is your motivation to, to write such detailed and impactful pieces? And for people uh, that don't know what I'm referring to, you can visit the website. Yeah, timber, timbertheory.com. I lost your audio. Well, awesome. Um, took a little bit of break there, right? technical difficulties, you know. Um, my question was, um, what what is your motivation to 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 write such detailed and impactful pieces? Um, and for the audience, what what website, if you want to see that or start to read some of the the pieces that um, Daniel has created, it's timbertheory.com, T-I-M-B-R-E, um, timbertheory.com. But, but man, it, you know, we really have been inspired by what you've been putting out. And these aren't, these aren't little short stories or anything like that. This is a real piece that takes time to create and it takes energy and there's passion and you can just hear the voice and see the pictures that you're painting uh through your words man what what's behind that yeah thank you bro first of all for reading i appreciate it reading and sharing um i think for me man the the, the bigger picture in my own heart is i want to humanize the conversation um i think that when i look at the experience of the present moment it's easy for it to feel like uh, this super binary, super political, us against them type conversation. And I just don't think that that creates the better, more beautiful world that we want to live in. And so for me, I kind of uh, observe the conversation, the public narrative. I, I'm taking in a lot of the information and I just have this thought. I'm like, one, I want to process my own experience so, and, and in doing so humanize the conversation. And then two, I want to insert the thread into the public conversation that I give a shit about, right? Like I want to have, I want to create the kind of conversation that I want to have. And if yeah. no one else is doing that, I'm not mad at them. I'm just going to create it myself. And so that's kind of the energy that I've been on. And so, you know, I think about it really dimensionally. Like I think there's, 
the individual experience. I think there's the collective experience. I think there's the experience as it relates to specific people groups. And I'm like, well, how do we create an overarching narrative that anyone, no matter who you are, can see yourself in, right? As a black man, of course, like that's my own story, my own truth. And also like, I understand that people don't see themselves in that story. And so I wanted to initiate the kind of narrative that I care about um, and, and a story that people can find and see themselves in. And so that, that was kind of the impetus of the writing. And what's been interesting, it's like, I've really just leaned into, we talked about energy earlier, like I've leaned into the arising energy and I've just put my intention towards it. And in doing so, I've, you know, it's kind of been fun. I mean, I'm just, you create too. And so part of it, you know, the feeling of creating something um, that you feel connected to and a value, I, I think that's been the intent. Love it, man. <clears throat> I love it. And, and it's been such a, um, a cool thing to watch people with this sort of mindset and, and in this space creating. Like, literally, we, we the, you, me, Donovan, all mm-hmm. three different times without speaking to each other, all decided to, um, to create something around this conversation. And I think it, it, it may have been different motivations, uh, but it was all surrounding the energy that we were feeling. I lean into exactly kind of what you're saying. It's like, I think there were so many opportunities to bring people on and talk about the individual experience because literally every experience is different. And I've been able to have guests like Ashley on, um, a white mom with a passion for the disenfranchised, that's a lawyer, that's a pastor, so many different angles there, raising, you know, Caucasian children and and in Tulsa, telling all of these different stories. And I'm like, these are friends of mine. And so I know there's there's different perspectives that need to be shared. And as people listen to them, then you learn a little bit more and yeah. you can start to understand from that person's point of view. I'm so obsessed with with the why behind a lot of stuff. Yeah. And, and I think people, you don't even get, you, I've, I've tried to work on this, but it's, uh, you almost don't get upset by anything yep. if you start with that question. Just right. ask why. why. Ask why five times and you'll really get the answer, but ask why, and then that's, that's, that's just, that's the start of the conversation that needs to be had. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So I just put out a new piece this morning, and... Ooh. I started this conversation series called It's Not Just Black and White. And the premise is that the human experience isn't binary. It's not just black and white, it's nuanced and complex. And so part of what I was processing is like, as it relates to this present moment, everyone is experiencing it differently. So how do I create a dimensional dialogue that's nuanced and complex, which essentially portrays the human experience as it is. And so what I've done is I pull in different people with different experiences. So So today um, was a a woman of color and then a white woman talking about how they're experiencing this moment through the lens of motherhood. And they did an amazing job kind of sharing their truth and sharing their perspective and talking about how they're thinking about this as it relates to their kids. I mean, it's beautiful, impactful work. And so I've done that, you know, had a um, an educator and a student, a white woman educator and a African-American student talking about how they experience this as it relates to the education system, 
had two entrepreneurs on, one black, one white. So, so creating this dimensional dialogue around what's happening, I think that for me, again, starting with why and, and kind of getting to that place of empathy, acceptance, understanding for our own humanity, right? Like uh, being able to hold the experience of, of myself and people who are different than me at the same time and not invalidate either, um, which is why I can, you know, champion the, the cause and say like, I can see my own humanity in the people that are marching because it is me. And then I can also see my own humanity in the people that don't quite understand because that's me too. Man, man, that's huge. And, and even just the, the, the intention of bringing two similar people to the conversation, whether mm -hmm. the world, whether CNN versus Fox, whether uh, mm -hmm. America is telling them that they, they are similar or not, you're bringing them to the table to say, hey, you guys are doing the same thing. You've got more in common than you have, uh, it, um, not in common, you know? And so yep. it's, it's being able to show that. And so I'm, I'm glad you're doing that, man. That's, that's just huge. It's huge. And those are the conversations that have to be had. Because yeah, I, I think, think that, sorry to cut you off. I think that real quick, the idea of, like, I want to celebrate the unique and individual experiences of people and whatever that means, right? So like, for example, we had recently at my work, we had a, our African-American ERG, Employee Resource Group, and we presented to our entire company, 160 plus people were there, just our own story. And it was amazing to even see the diversity of we're all three black, uh, but we all have very different stories and experiences. And so it's not a monolithic narrative, right? It's dimensional, complex. And so when we lean into the humanity of people, you know, we can see the ways in which we're different and celebrate that, but then also say like in our humanity, we're, we're, we have a lot in common. And so how do we hold space for both of those ideals? Man, man, I love that. And your company, even if you go to, to the website, ohanahealth.co, um, um, man, you can see it. It's right in front of you. The diversity is on the front page. I see it. I see it. I see it. And I know that's not by mistake, man. I know yeah. it's not. And there's such a huge, huge value in creating diversity within companies, within workspaces, within friendship groups, uh, within the church, with all over. And, and that, that comes from, from the more experiences you have, the better decisions you're able to make, the, the better uh, a person you are for um, learning about different cultures, learning about different people. And it, it, it's just, it's the reality of the world. No one yep. is like the next person. And yep. I don't know where it came from, but it's literally bullshit. <laughs> I don't know why people have, have forced upon us the ideal that it is, it's, hey, everybody is alike. Every white person is alike. Every black person is alike. You know, I, I almost went off on a guy the other day. This was so, <laughs> such bad timing. Such bad timing. We go back to Granada. This is Saturday. We take the uh -huh. dog to the, to the old dog park that he, he loves to run at. Uh, opened the door. I had just finished preaching. I hadn't experienced any racism here in Spain. I'm not saying that other people don't, but I typically don't experience anything. Walk into the dog park. The dog starts 
uh, running in. Another dog starts barking. This guy says, oh, you know why the dog is barking? It's because both of y'all are black. Ha, ha, ha. I was like, bad timing, bro. Bad timing, bro. You're not watching the news. It's bad timing. Come on. Dang. I had to walk. I had to walk. And my wife was like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like people are ridiculous. Oh. I said, I know, but I mm. said, it, it's just, it's, you got to be careful. But, you yeah. know, I'm like, I'm like, if this wasn't, if this was America, he wouldn't have said that. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Oh. But, man, I, I, I love to see, see that in, in just the mindset there. Um, have you uh, have you traveled much? I know you were talking about plans to travel. Have you traveled much? Yeah, interesting question. So my parents, um, I'm the son of immigrant parents. So my parents are from Ghana, West Africa. So they were born there, grew up there, and then immigrated to North America in the mid 80s. So my dad is an academic. And so they came over to Canada and I spent most of my upbringing in Texas. And so you know, I mean, from that perspective, we've, I've gone back to Ghana once to see where my parents are from. We took a whole family trip in, I think it was 2011. So I think that I, you know, got to do and see kind of just the, the contrast in culture. On a personal level, I've, I've been way more intentional about investing in that for myself over the last few years. Um, and, and I, you know, there's still so much more I want to do, but yeah. I would say, so I went to London and Amsterdam. I think right. last year went to Montreal, Toronto, been to Vancouver quite a bit. Haven't done as much international travel as I would like to. I've seen most of the United States. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about kind of diversifying my experiences and, and holding space with, with people that are different than me, um, whether it's in the States or, or internationally as well, so. I love it. And that's exactly why I was asking that, man. It's just, you know, I've had the, the opportunity to travel a bit since being here and and not <laughs> not traveling much when I was in the States. I mean, we did yep. family vacations around and, and luckily my parents like to travel a little bit, but I didn't leave the United States uh, outside of a cruise that I went on with Donovan, actually, uh, yep. <laughs> outside of a cruise, which doesn't count. Um, right. <laughs> uh, until I was, what am I, 32, 29 years old, went yeah. to Mexico with, with the, the current, the, the wife, you know, she ended yeah. up being the wife, but went to Mexico with her and some friends. But man, that started something and just traveling around, having yeah. these different experiences, meeting different people, loving diversity, it yeah. does something to your mindset and it changes everything. When yeah, you, absolutely. In London, for for example, you know, you know London. London's London is crazy. It's so diverse. Totally. I love London. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really cool city. I mean, I think that we have a very Americanized view of the world. Like, if you haven't seen other places, and yeah, so I think the experience of just being in different cultures does a lot. And I think for me, you know, I, I was low key bummed because I was telling you I had a trip to Spain planned. Was also going to go to Portugal and then maybe to Italy all before COVID came. And you know, hopefully, I'll get to do that soon. But I think part of my intention before COVID, I was taking about a trip every month, even if it was just domestic and something not very far, but mostly just to interact with different cultures and different spaces. And so I, I can one thousand percent acknowledge my own privilege in that. Right? Like I, I think for some people, that's not even 
on their grid are not even an option. And so I feel thankful to be in a position where I can have some of those experiences. And also I've designed my life to ensure that I can have them. I think people yep. will prioritize the things that they find are important. And so for me, different experiences, being around different people, I think that's part of it. I love it, man. And even one of the ways that I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking, talking, traveling far, but, but now, even, even this summer where we had, we had Kenya plan, we had Egypt plan, um, to go experience different cultures. But what, what you realize is that in each, especially in major cities, you have people from all over, you know, yep. you and your parents were probably part of a, a um, a, a community of people from Ghana yep. that, I didn't have access or I didn't know of, so I didn't access, you know, yep. and, but I was hanging in Dallas, huge Pakistani community, huge sure. Persian community. I was tapped into some of those still have friends from those communities, Indians from food to culture, to the hookah yep. bar, man, those experiences are all there in the United States. And so it's just, you can drive to this, the Chinatown or the, the Indian district, and have similar experiences because you know these people are from from the same uh same countries and so that experience is also right there in a lot of cities too so that could be a good opportunity for people yeah totally man so um kind of last question and we can just we can just have open dialogue what do you see as the biggest opportunity to change the mindset and and almost heal the experience that is happening in in the states uh, between the black experience, the the white experience, the community, the American experience. What do you see as as almost the solution? How do we how do we create real change that lasts? Yeah, man, that's a great question, and I think it's so dimensional and complex. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for me, the starting point would be to recognize that we are all contributors to our collective condition, whether intentionally, overtly, complicitly, unconsciously, like, I think we all have played a part in who and where we are. And I think that's like a starting point. And I think what's interesting about acknowledging that truth, it could send you down a couple of different paths, right? If you acknowledge that, but you don't have a perspective of love and empathy for self, then you could spiral into shame and then kind of take this manic action to try to fix and, and absolve yourself of this internal shame you're feeling instead of saying like, okay, one of the beauties of recognizing that I've contributed to our collective condition also means that I can contribute to the unification and reconciliation and better, more beautiful world we believe in. But I think that there's this paradigm that, that a lot of people have, like if I contributed, I question my own inherent goodness, right? Like, hmm. am I good or am I bad? And that fundamental question that people ask around their own sense of morality doesn't allow them, I, I don't think, to dig into the deeper layer that is our humanity. And so if I can say like, okay, yeah, I've contributed to this, and then what is the new contribution that I wanna make to the better, more beautiful world that we believe in? I think that's such a transcendent and transformational question. And so 
what I would say, I mean, I, I've written it in a couple of different pieces. J. Cole said the only real revolution happens right inside of you. And I think about our individual willingness to do the work of, of mm. learning and unlearning and facing our own privilege and bias and all of those things like that, that is if and when we do that on an individual level and then there's a collective truth that emerges from that, I think that's powerful and potent. It doesn't necessarily speak directly to the systemic aspects. And so I think that's where some of the yep. action around the lobbying and, and the protests and, and, and calling and all of, those, all of those intentional, tangible actions, I think that's like the perfect complement to the self-work and, and just the self-awareness and all of that. But, you know, I think that sometimes it's easier to focus on the external, which does matter to a certain extent, more but also more than we do on the internal and so a great example is like there are a lot of companies who have come out and made public statements but their internal culture is a shit show and so it's like yeah this thing on the outside but the reality the contents don't match the packaging and so for me i'm like how do we create a world that reconciles the contents and the packaging right so what's happening in our culture is a microcosm of what's been true all along. Like it's not brand new. I think it's come to a to a head and it's and it's boiled over in a way. But for me, it just shows the truth of what's been true about humanity all the time. Like we don't understand those that are different from us, and we can't see really our humanity in the eyes of our other. And so we continue to oppress. Like we're both the oppressor, and then we also feel oppressed, and and we live in kind of this duality. And so for me, I'm like. If I can look at the opportunities I myself have to recognize my contributions and then say, okay, how does that make me part of our collective evolution? That feels like a pretty powerful place. And then I think about the systemic level of people taking the action. And I think one of the things we talked about, kind of the origin of this conversation would be, what is it that you wanna create in the world? And so I think about someone like Ava DuVernay, who is a brilliant filmmaker, Part of her art is being consumed so widely, right? So people are watching 13th and these various documentaries when they see us that she's put out that are introducing people to the reality of systemic injustice and racism in our country. She's, she has used her own preferred art, art form, her magic, her method to introduce people to the reality of the world in a unique way. And so she's an example and it's, and it's having widespread change. And so for me, I'm like, yeah, there's an individual part where like, what can I do? Who am I first? What do I value? And how can I take my values and put those into the world in a meaningful way, in a way that creates change? And then you look at, you know, the people who feel called to run for office or the people who want to write books or the people who want to lobby, the people who are leading the protests, organizing the marches. Everyone has a part to play. The, the moms who are talking to their kids about racism so that they'll grow up in a world that's different than the one that we're growing up in. Everyone has a part. And so for me, it's like, first, how do I acknowledge how I've contributed, where I've played a part, again, consciously, unconsciously, complicitly or intentionally, and then how do I reconcile that and say like, what is the new narrative? What's the larger story that I wanna write? And I think that's one of the things that I'll say, like when all the anti-racism work just started proliferating social media, it felt like there's this narrative around like, I'm doing this so I don't appear like an idiot or so I don't say the wrong thing. And I'm like, what an anticlimactic end. Like if we're not doing this work to create a better, more beautiful world, if we're not creating this, doing this work 
to see each other more clearly and, and, and impact generations that we may never see, then what the hell are we doing it for? If it's just to be a little smarter, like that's pretty anticlimactic. And so I want to continue to beat the drum for this better, more beautiful world that is available. And I think, you know, the part that I, I go back and forth between is like, I believe in and I feel hopeful for it. And then I also recognize the reality that I may not in my lifetime see the entirety uh, of, of this world that I'm imagining. But I read this book recently by Austin Channing Brown and she said, you know, I'm still going to create anyway. And, and that's the energy I'm on. Like whether or not I see it fully in my lifetime, I'm still going to create it anyway. And I think if people took that sentiment and approach, I mean, it'll continue to move it, move us forward. Man. <laughs> Man. Thank you for coming to my TED talk, bro. That Man, was I love you know. I was just thinking that I was like, this guy's got to do a TED talk. He's got to do one. <laughs> got to do one, bro. Um, I'm I'm not even going to attempt to 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 unpack that. What I want to challenge people to do is to to press rewind. I actually mm -hmm. go back and listen to all of these episodes one to hear what what my guest is saying from this side, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm concerned with the audio and watching the recording and all this stuff. So I'm listening and, I, and I'm, I'm here and present in the dialogue, but the messages that are coming through the intention and the passion that these guests have, like Daniel, are, are the key. You know, when people are sending me text messages asking, what do I do? And, Am I, am I good enough? And, and what if I did this wrong? And I don't know what to, these guys are talking about exact, that they're, they're answering the questions. They're, 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 these questions you have are the answers are here and the challenges and the solutions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I really, really challenge people to listen to this again and man, but you just, you just hit on so many different things. It's like, I think that's what we have to commit to. Yep. is is just not doing it for us we yep. aren't doing this for us if you are 30 something and you have kids if you're 20 something and you have kids the mindset and the things i'm thinking now is like hey i'm about to have some kids mm -hmm. you know my my mom is stressed out about me having kids and bringing kids into this world my friends are stressed out about raising their kids how do you educate your children my conversation, I don't want to have to educate my, ch my children who may be born in Spain. Before we go to the United States, I got to give them a talk about black, white, racism, slavery. They might be two or three years old, but I got to tell them to act a certain way. Come on now, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and, and I don't want that for their kids. I don't want that for my great grandkids, whatever, you know? So I think that is the challenge and, and that is uh, the solution and and even a commitment I've made. It's like, it's it's like how do we as a collective and individually how do we push this thing forward? It's yeah. not going to have a solution tomorrow, but there is a solution, and it's it's based on the individual. It's based on the mom teaching the children. It's based on the dad uh, teaching the children. It's based on people in roles of influence actually influencing. If yeah. you're in a position to hire people and employ people and you've been making the same type of decisions that the guy in the role 
before you was making. It's a different environment now. It yeah. looks different. Everybody is equally as qualified. Doesn't matter what they look like on the outside. Doesn't matter what they look like on the outside. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's the that's where the change starts to happen. You can you can re exactly what you said, restructure that company. Take the challenge of making it look super different. Take a risk. It could pay off. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think that often one of the things I, I go to in myself, and I would offer this up for others too, it's like for me, one of the things that I've had to accept is even if creating, you know, writing, having con- creating conversation, putting this stuff into the world is just for me and my own catharsis, mm-hmm. it would still be worth it. And I believe that as I move in my truth, it will impact others in a positive way. But even if it is just for me, for my own well-being, for my own connection with myself, for my own alignment, for my own humanity, for the own, my own energy that I get from creating, even if it's just for me, I would still do it. Because I think that the, in that, I feel present, I feel engaged, I feel a more authentic version of myself. And I just am convinced that as people move through the world on that energy, it has a ripple effect and impact on others. And so, you know, I, I celebrate people like you, people like Plum, who are engaging themselves, like whether or not people read it or engage, I, I mean, obviously the hope is that people might, but at the end of the day, you're still putting your energy in the world and, and so is Plum. And, and that's something that's really beautiful to me, so. Man, I appreciate that, brother. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, man. Y'all just heard a, a powerful episode with a lot, a lot packed into it. Um, I really want to ask that, that everybody shares this. You know, this episode, there's four others out there. Uh, a lot of people are listening to it. It's been, been received pretty well, so I'm excited about that. Um, not the intention, but also the hope. You know, yep. I, I want, like, like, like Daniel said, we want people to, to hear this. We're having this conversation. Um, well, man, any, any questions for me as we wrap up? Anything you want to say? Anything you're working on uh, that the world needs to know about? How can we support you? How can we help you? Uh, anything, man. Open forum. Yeah, I love it. Um, well, first of all, I, I just want to express gratitude for, one, you inviting me on and, and you creating a platform to share your own voice and the voices of others. So I think that's dope. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to be intentional about that myself. And so anytime I see someone else on a similar vibe, uh, I feel a lot of gratitude. You can share my um, website and social media info, uh, you know, whenever you post this article. Perfect. And that'd be great. So timbertheory.com is the website, T-I-M-B-R-E, timbertheory.com. And then Instagram, it's underscore Daniel O5. Um, and then, yeah, man, I think as far as projects go, I do have my company, Ohana Health, and I'm really excited about where we are and where we're going. I have an incredible team of folks that I'm working with. Shout out to the Ohana family. Um, and then I'm doing the conversation series. It's not just black and white, which eventually I'm going to turn into its own brand. And so I'm, I'm working on that a little bit. And then I have another project that's in the works, um, yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll happen soon. Uh, it's called the Courage Collective. And, and the idea is when courageous people meet courageous moments, it moves and impacts the world. And so we Ooh. want to create a community. Yeah, you like that, don't you? 
So we want to create a, a community um, that's putting empathy and education into action and, and so meeting those moments of courage. And so uh, my good friend, Lauren and I uh, are on the path with that. And so I'm super excited about that. And like I said, I mean, it's one of those moments in time that I feel like directly and indirectly, um, you know, I've been, I've been cultivating my own internal world to be able to meet. And so I feel thankful to, to be present and, you know, for my heart to be beating in this moment, you know, mm. you and I are some of the fortunate ones. We're black men. Right. And, and here we are like our, the story hasn't been the same for a lot of people who look like us. Yeah. And so I feel grateful um, to be here and now. And, and I, I know that I'm, I'm still writing my story and I know you are too. And so lots of gratitude, lots of love, my friend. And, and I appreciate you having me on to, to chat. Man. Daniel Opong, thank you. Thank you again, sir. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. Looking forward to, to connecting in the future and, and just, just seeing what, what you develop um, and what you guys build out of all of those things. I hear you're going to launch the Courage Collective right here on this podcast. You're going to do it right <laughs> here now. <laughs> no, yeah, man. man. We're going to work. It's going to be fun. It's, it's going to be a mix of um, consulting, strategic consulting for, for businesses that are trying to put some of these um, anti-racism, diversity, equity, and inclusion Ooh. efforts into, into practice. And then there'll also be a community element with it which is rad because, you know, I think one of the things that I've seen is there aren't spaces really for people to intentionally engage and, and kind of practice, but also the people who are doing a lot of the educating or teaching aren't often the people that are able to um, feel the space to explore and feel supported by peers and, and to feel supported by people who are like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not kind of in the diversity 101 type I, i've kind of progressed beyond that but i still want to continue doing the work so that i can have the fuel to go and take back to my communities and so you know lauren and i are, are designing a community for that for that group of people and so it's, it's going to be awesome i'm super stoked about it and kind of just meeting the arising energy and seeing what comes and so that's the energy i'm on man awesome man brother i appreciate you thank you again likewise all right one second